His puzzled head tips to one side Amazement swims in those bright green eyes Glancing down upon this thing That makes strange sounds Welcome to Divine Throughline. I'm Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt. And I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really truly means to live a life divine. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Cosmic Tribe, beloved family, all you amazing beings uh, shining your light and doing amazing things on planet Earth. It's a blessing, an honor, and a privilege to connect via the medium of the podcast. I can't believe that I have actually almost 800,000 downloads. Um, I actually posted recently that I had 650,000 downloads, but I had left out a metric. So it's crazy to think that, um, that we can reach each other via this medium and that the voice and the connection and the, uh, just the experience of, of coming together over common shared interests can be so deeply impactful. So thank you all so much for your support. Um, also want to mention, if you've been listening to the podcast and been inspired and received any guidance, if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would be extraordinary. Greatly appreciate it. Um, we're going strong. We have over 150 reviews, and all of those, most of those are five stars, um, with the exception of a couple. So anyway, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for donating to support the show. And most of all, thanks for tuning in every week and for um, sharing moments of your life with me and for supporting my message and my work as it continues to evolve. So this week, I'm going to do something a little unconventional. And the reason is because I was recently invited to guest on uh, Jess Ghidros' Thrive Academy podcast. Um, he actually had interviewed Rich. Um, he's an amazing young man, actually uh, an educator, a school teacher, and a new dad with a young uh, two-year-old son. And he contacted me after coming uh, to interview Rich and, and asked me if I would be on his podcast. And uh, we got together, and I have to tell you, it was one of my most favorite interviews. Uh, it was absolutely a joy and a pleasure. And uh, I didn't know it, but Jess has been listening to Divine Throughline for you know many, many months or years. And he's been with me along the journey and deeply connected and caring about the same things that I care about. So it was cool for me to be able to share a lot in the areas of homeschooling, of parenting, and some subjects and parts of life that are very dear to me and areas where I really tried to break the rules with my own children in my own community. And I feel like I, I was ahead of my time, definitely was ahead of my time. And, uh, but I feel sort of a renewed energy coming in with um, a lot of young people um, connecting to my message and wanting to um, learn from me and uh, at least hear what my perspectives are with regards to a new education forming and what we can do to really parent in, uh, in the most love, the most beauty, the most expansion, and the most power um, through loving compassion, neutrality, 
and a recognition that all life is divine, even uh, within all of our children and even with people that maybe are not wired as we are. So I asked Jess, uh, after the podcast happened, um, you know, I, I messaged him and said, Hey, would you be willing for me to share your podcast on my show? And I've just left it in entirety because I want you guys to know about him and connect with him. Please follow him. Please subscribe to his podcast and check out what he's doing. Um, he really is an amazing person and he's going to change the world and change the way we educate, I have no doubt. Um, so anyway, um, uh, I hope you enjoy the ep- episode. Um, this week's musical offering, I am uh, uh, happily sharing a cover of Elton John, Bernie Taupin's song, The Greatest Discovery. This is a song the boys and I recorded when they were young teenagers. Um, we were spending seven-year period becoming musicians together. And what happened is when uh, I had Tyler first in 1995, and then found out six months later I was pregnant again. <laughs> so uh, the boys are only 17 months apart. And when Trapper, my second son, was um, to be born, he was you know, coming up, his birth was coming up, I really set the intention that these brothers would be good friends. And so I wrote um, Trapper's baby announcement actually came from Tyler. And it was a photograph uh, that my friend Stacy Isabella Turk had taken of Tyler peering through the crib slats on his newly born brother, just a day or two old. And uh, I had heard this Elton John song, The Greatest Discovery. It's not a very well-known song, but when I heard it, it just made me cry. It was one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And it's about the birth of a baby brother. And so I sent out Trapper's birth announcement actually from Tyler. It said, announcing the birth of my baby brother. And it had his um, you know, vitals on there weight and length and all that time of birth. And at the time, it was the day of the cassette tape. I know you guys think I'm so cool now because cassettes are so cool, but yes, we had cassettes then. And I duplicated over 500 cassettes and sent out actual, you know, um, beautiful birth announcements with this photo, with a beautiful transparent uh, kind of onion skin over it and included this song. At the time, so many people contacted me and told me how touched they were by the, by the announcement and by the song. So years later, we're in the middle of our financial collapse, and I was uh, t- attempting to clean out my closet, um, doing another ceremonial burning uh, ritual that I did frequently. And I grabbed a box and this birth announcement fell out and fell on the floor. And I realized that I had never told the boys, or maybe I told them, but, you know, Tyler was, you know, one when Trapper was born, one and a half. So it's not like we talked about it every day or I had it framed in the living room or something like this. So I remember calling to them and I was like, you guys, you guys, like, 
you got to meet me in the car, meet me in the car. I was like, download, you know, Elton John and Bernie Taupin's song, The Greatest Discovery, and meet me in the car immediately. So we plugged it in and we listened to this song and I reminded them and showed them this announcement and we all decided we were going to record a cover. So the song that you hear on this week's episode is uh, Srimati's cover of The Greatest Discovery by the amazing uh, Elton John and Bernie Taupin, arranged, produced, performed by my brilliant sons, uh, Tyler and Trapper. And, uh, and sung by me. So anyway, I hope you feel the joy in this song. And, um, you know, it's such a precious time uh, to be parents and such an honor and a blessing to be able to experience life coming through you and then growing and expanding and evolving into more than you could have ever dreamed. Uh, sometimes that rocks our world uh, because it takes a different form than what we're familiar with. Um, but we are just vessels for our children to pass through us. So I hope you all enjoy the episode. I'm not going to talk about any of my books or things because I think I did that already on Jess's podcast. So I think you'll hear it at the end. But anyway, um, lots of love to all of you. Uh, the sun is out in California. It's probably 90 degree degrees today. Um, and the sky is blue, and the birds are singing, and um, and I'm recording a podcast. So anyway, uh, I feel the blessings of life, and until next week, I'm sending you and your loved ones so much grace and so much love and creativity and compassion and joy and beauty. So may we all be blessed and surrounded by so much love, and I'll see you next week. Okay, namaste. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Thrive Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jess Gidros, and on this show, I'm going to be interviewing people from all walks of life, from Olympic athletes to successful entrepreneurs to spiritual healers, fitness gurus, nutritionists, and everybody else in between so that you can extract their key habits and mindsets in order to truly thrive in your own life. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, let's rock. What's going on, guys? Uh, just literally driving on the on the road home from my episode with Julie Pyatt with with Srimati, and I was feeling so inspired, so much excitement and energy in my body that I literally could not like wait to get home to to sort of begin the editing process. Not that I, I don't actually don't edit, but just to record the intro and get it out on you know on the website before I publish it to iTunes. Um, I was so full of so much inspiration that I pulled over on the side of the road and, and, and only the universe would have it that there is like a little, like almost like a pasture uh, right over here by their Bristol farms and this right behind this McDonald's where there's these, these huge oak trees and all the, like almost like a foresty type place. And my car fits right in. So I like pulled in behind. So I'm kind of in like this little uh, hidden part of the parking lot. But if you hear a little wind, that's why. Um, I'm just a huge believer that when inspiration hits you and, and comes knocking, that you have to listen to it. And so I had to hop on here and uh, record the intro because it's so fresh. We literally just finished uh, talking a few minutes ago, and I am feeling it. So what's up, guys? Sri <laughs> uh, Mati, if you don't know, um, she is the author of three best-selling cookbooks. 
uh, most recently, Plant Power Way Italia, uh, the this cheese is nuts, and the original, the Plant Power Way, which I have I've talked about in the podcast. I have, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I have posted all sorts of pictures about it. I use tons of their recipes. My dad does too, especially their cheese recipes because Julie is a pioneer, man. She is an artist in the kitchen. She is a plant-based chef who uh, is incredible. And and guys, let me just say, a plant-based chef, that is like putting her in a box of all boxes because there's nothing this woman does not do. Uh, Her spirit, her energy is unlike any that I've met on my podcast journey so far. She saw me, invited me out to her her and Rich's uh, Rich Roll, her husband, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago, uh, invited me out to her beautiful house out here in Calabasas. Um, You know, just greets me with with this friendly hug and asks me if I want to taste her cheeses just from the the jump. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like setting up the podcast. She walks over with this beautiful plate of these gourmet nut cheeses, plant-based nut cheeses that guys, I'm not exaggerating. This is not an exaggeration. This isn't even a plug. This is just the truth. This is pure transparency. The most tasty cheeses that I've ever had in my life. I had a blue cheese and almond nut cheese. And oh, uh, the other one is skipping me. But you'll, you'll actually see in the podcast, the first couple few minutes of the podcast are actually, we thought it'd be cool to actually taste and go through the cheeses on air, like live while we were recording. So uh, that was kind of cool. And it was just incredible. Her vibe, man, it, it's unlike any other. She, she's really, uh, she does a lot. She has her own podcast, uh, The Divine Throughline, which I've listened to almost every episode. Um, like I said, the best-selling book. She's an awesome singer. She, she's got a beautiful voice. She plays music. Um, she's an artist. She's a teacher. She's a yoga instructor, yogi. She travels the world hosting these yoga retreats and wellness Uh, workshops all over the world. She's world-renowned, and she's incredible. And now I get to bring her to you. And so if you can't tell, I'm really excited for this. Um, (laughs) And uh, everything's going to be linked up in the show notes as far as places to find her and access her cookbooks, which are incredible. Um, And yeah, so I'm going to shut up about the interview and just let you guys listen to it. Actually, I'm not going to shut up because there's one more thing. Um, We talk about just to give you a really brief overview, um, we dive so deep into homeschooling, or as she would call unschooling. Um, we talk all about like the, the school system and how it's broken. Uh, we talk about ways to structure a, a very um, successful and efficient and effective homeschooling system. And sort of, she gives tons of examples of what she's done with her own kids, which are just, they're remarkable kids. And uh, we dive into so many others, you know, teaching creativity. We talk about sexuality. We talk about, uh, you know, being plant-powered and plant-based and, and, and tons of other things. So um, hope this episode finds you well, guys. And lastly, before we jump into it, this episode is brought to you by the 21-Day Plant Power Jumpstart, which has no affiliation with Rich and Julie, but the name Plant Power. I did obviously uh, get it from them, and it was inspired by them. I hope they don't mind that because we're all contributing to the same movement. But this is a free 21-day plant-based program that I created uh, that I would love for you to check out. Um, it's over at jessgidros.com, or you could find me on Instagram at jessgidros, J-E-S-S-G-U-I-D-R-O-Z. And it's free. Check it out. If you are plant curious, uh, this could be the portal to your to opening up the door to your journey. So check it out. Um, everything else will be linked in the show notes, guys. You guys are awesome. I love you all so much. And I'm sending so much positivity, energy, love, and light your way. So 
we'll talk soon. Please enjoy this episode. Feel free to share it out with your friends and family. And leave us a positive review on iTunes. It goes so far. It means a ton. And that would be so awesome, man. Love you guys. Peace, love, and light. We're going to taste some of these nut cheeses we are. from this cheese's nuts. So it's nut. this cheese's nuts. It's the Srimati cheese. And you're getting the tasting, Jess. This is like groundbreaking. But I'm actually commercializing my cheese. <clears throat> so I've been in meetings and tastings. And the Food Expo West is going on, LA Expo West. Um, so I had these prepped because I've been doing tasting. So the first one that I'm going to have you taste is a smoked almond cheddar. Okay. Okay. And so that is a level one difficulty cheese. Amazing spread. He's chewing right now, you guys. Mm -hmm. Had to move the mic away. <laughs> so that oh is almond. Oh, my God. good right that is delicious oh my god it's like bursting full of flavor all right this one wow. is here have a little kombucha clear mm. your palate yeah yeah so that was almond what smoked almond smoked cheddar smoked almond cheddar you can taste it too Oh my gosh. And what's this one? This one is blue cheese. Mm. It's a spirulina blue made with cashews. Mm. Wow. That is like, it's creamy. <laughs> right. Like, it's true. <laughs> Oh my god. Tell tell everyone how creamy that cheese it is. It is it is extremely creamy, like to the point where it's like sticking to my teeth and my mouth is watering that I'm I'm probably spitting everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is Oh my god. And you get the blue from the, the spirulina? Yeah, from the spirulina. <laughs> so the last one I'm gonna have you taste, yeah, he's gonna cleanse his palate with kombucha and then I'll tell you a little bit about these cheeses. This one is a camembert. It has a little bit of blue on it because I use the same knife, but oh, it'll okay. taste a little different. Oh my God. Now, can you believe that there's no dairy in that I, product? I, it is extremely hard to believe. It's crazy, right? Like it's it's got even the the down to the texture is, it has that creamy sort of like like juice. It's almost juicy, like like it's like melting in my mouth, but it's like sticking to my teeth and like really <laughs> tastes amazing. It's crazy, oh and God. you know this is it's beautiful to hear you say that. I mean, I've I have a very mm. um, visceral reaction to my cheese in a very positive way, even with people that are not plant-based. So, right. I've had the opportunity to serve it at big events, you know, with like over 100 people, and it's always fun to see my table swarmed, and when they find out it's plant-based, they're literally freaking out. I mean, I'm can't seeing, believe it almost. No, they can't believe it, and it was really this amazing thing for me was 
as an artist, you know, um, I approach everything in my life as a creative endeavor. Like right. for me, spirituality is creativity, is sexuality. It's all the same. And I'm always, I'm, I'm a creative channel. I'm, I've never been blocked creatively ever in my life. Um, and with this food, you know, I started out basically fueling Rich, cooking for Rich, nourishing him, really because he was trying to do these crazy races, double Ironman races on a plant-based diet. And, you know, I'm pretty good in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, I, I could help that guy out a little bit. It was <laughs> kind of like that. But I never thought I was going to become, you know, a three-time cookbook author and, and really become an expert in plant-based um, nutrition. Uh, the thing with the cheese that's been absolutely extraordinary is it's been this creative demonstration in my life of the truth that there are many solutions to any challenge or perceived problem that we have in our life. And what I had going for me is I have something in my divine design where I, I like to experiment and I never thought that I needed a degree or anybody else's permission to try anything. Mm. If, if I feel like I have an affinity for it or I like it or I want to experience it, I'll just jump in. So the way that I cook is not by researching a bunch of cookbooks or researching other people's processes. It's really by a process of elimination, of, of trial and error, of failing a bunch, and then of coming into this. And this was a two-year process from start to finish. Wow. When I turned in the Plant Power Way, which is our beautiful aspirational life lifestyle guide, you know, coffee table book that has amazing family recipes that are so delicious. They and are. I was Thank you. Yeah. Do you cook out of the book? I do all the time. Oh, that's My so whole cool. family does. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. And I'm always posting about it. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. So well, very true. it's truly, you know, I developed these recipes to feed my family, and we are not lettuce eaters. Like, I'm not a raw person. I, I eat warm food, and I had, you know, three growing boys, like, you know, in their late teens and 20s, and then an ultraman. You know, crazy husband who's training 25 hours a week. He's starving, like, all the time, you know? Yeah. So this plant-based diet was not going to work if I didn't really, you know, succeed in some of those areas. And the sauces are, are really strong in that book. But what happened, um, I had a very basic cheese section in that book. But even two of those recipes completely revolutionized the way we were experiencing cheese in our life. And the main thing was, um, if you at the time I had tried some almond cheeses that you grate, mm. and we were very, we're very hung up in grating our cheese. Okay. So I grated this cheese, and then I would put it on my vegan nachos. And at the end in cleanup, I would literally need a jackhammer to get that cheese off the tray. So I was thinking, hmm, hmm. this is not good. Like, no. what's happening in the body? What is going on with that? So I started to use, in place of shredded cheese, warm cashew sauce. So I would make a cashew cheese, keep it warm on the stove, bake the pizza. It would come piping hot out of the oven, then pour the warm cashew cheese on it and top it with a vegan Caesar. And it was fall down on the ground delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, just just everyone's just, you know, you know, ooing and aahing and cooing, and there's hands grabbing everywhere. <clears throat> so then I was like, wait a second. Like, there is something amazing to discover in the world of plant-based cheeses, which is my next book, This Cheese is Nuts. And what I will also tell you is that the ingredients in these cheeses are so pure and so few if anything, you're going to be shocked at how easy it is. And uh, so what I've done is I've, I've gone into this exploration. I never dreamed that I would create 
such amazing, tangy, creamy, rich, delicious cheese um, just in this process. So it's proved to me that we really are amazing, not, not me, but as, human, as humans. And if we can stay open in the creativity of life, there's just a million ways to do things. Right. And so bringing this back to, and this is just, I'll say this at the top, just because we're going to dive into other things. I have a, a, like an intuition. <laughs> but now my, my third cookbook, The Plant Power Way Italia, um, Rich and I, it's really my recipes. Rich and I are publishing it together. Um, but, uh, but my name's first this time. There you go. I like that. Um, we like that. You saw that little change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you know, we do these amazing retreats. Uh, we take people on location and take them through a spiritual transformation. It's a week of beautiful plant-based food. We have an amazing location in Italy. And so <laughs> this next book is The Plant Power Way Italia. And what it is, is it's an invitation to invite the reader into our retreat and spend a week with us. But what you're going to come away with is over 126 recipes that are all the beautiful Italian classics. And I mean, who doesn't love Italian food? We all, I mean, there's nothing better than Italian food. Right. And to be able to take this cheese technology, I even innovated what I did in this cheese is nuts because I can never stop innovating. Right. But I took this technology and brought it into the world of Italian food. And I just have to tell you, the eggplant parmigiana, the lasagna, the ravioli, the gnocchi, um, there's a macadamia parm. Uh, there's all, there's actually, you know, three or four more crumbled um, Parmesan recipes. Um, I've done a, a Caprino cheese, which is an Italian type cheese, cheese, and the amazing, which is this fresh burrata, actually bathed in a bath of coconut milk. It's insane. <laughs> oh my God. And then also a fresh mozzarella that you you will fall down on the ground. You literally be like, you're kidding me. Like, how is this possible? So this is kind of like the it's the perfect little bait, sort of like, you know perfect brainchild or heart child, I should say, of those two previous books. And so we're super happy to, to be, you know, offering this. And um, I think it's going to become like definitely one of the staples, one of the guides that are really going to help people totally. to make the shift into eating compassionately, eating for their health. I mean, we're all in this together. So, you know, Mother Earth is crying out for us to pay attention. And we can and we will. And I believe in humanity. Totally. And so what we need to do, and now we're, now we're going to circle back into your and my shared uh, interest, and that is children. And as a mother of four and someone who homeschooled her kids and uh, for many years, um, the, what we're doing when we put our beautiful children into the existing school system is we're putting walls up and boxes around those amazing gifts that life has given us in the form of them. Because if we can leave them with a wide open space to find themselves, to feel themselves, then they're going to be able to share the gifts that are inherently a part of their divine design. Mm. And this is every, you know, every child. And with the evolution on planet Earth, the plants are evolving. We're evolving as humans. Everything's evolving. So these precious little ones, like yours is 21 months? 21 months, yeah. I mean, my advice to all parents listening to this is don't do anything to them for eight years. Just love them. 
Love them, celebrate them, take care of them. Don't worry if they're not reading, writing. Don't have any of those ideas in your mind. Like, well, uh, you know, they have to read by this age or they have to do, you know, they have to achieve these milestones. Take yourself out of this illusion of standardized testing, of standardized qualities that are being superimposed. I mean, you see the beauty of a, of a being at 21 months. Mm. I mean, oh my goodness. And why do we become parents anyway? You know, I never wanted to be a homeschooling mom. I, I thought that was like for hardcore Christians. And, you know, I have a background in that as well. I'm, I'm born again myself, was, but I've been on the spiritual path my whole life and I'm a yogi and I'm all about the spiritual. Um, and thank God the Christians paved the way, actually. They did a great service because they said no and they created some laws that allow us at least to homeschool in California pretty freely. That's cool. Um, so it's an amazing thing. But what it does do is it gives you time to spend life with your kids. And I'm a super sensitive person, so, you know, I can't wake up to an alarm clock. It's completely not cool. Like, my body does not like that at all. <laughs> so I have to be in tune with the rhythms of life. And I have an internal clock. And I can tell myself, wake me up at this time, and, it, and I will. Um, I do a lot of meditating early in the hours at 4.30 a.m. Most of my practice is done before the sun comes up. This is how I connect to life. Mm. Um, and when you have a very sensitive, evolved child and you're getting that child up out of their rhythms to get them in a car, to drive them somewhere, to drop them off at an institution with people that I myself wouldn't spend an hour with. That's right. really the truth. It is. You know? So if we really want to be honest, like if you're taking your kid to a school, is that a place you'd like to spend time? Are those <clears throat> individuals vibrating in a, at a level that you would trust them with your child? I would have to say that probably not, right. well, that's probably not. And I think we've gotten into this mindset as parents, you know, let's be honest, having kids is an ass kicker. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like of everything you've done in your life, you know, and I mean, I fancy myself, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was like, right. my first kid, I was like, how hard can it be? People have been <laughs> doing this for millions of years. <laughs> you know, come on. Like, I didn't take one class. I didn't look into breastfeeding. Like, I, I think I was like shipping my runway collection like the day before. Oh, my God. And then went to have my baby. And I just remember like afterwards just holding him thinking, no one is ever coming to pick him up. Like, ever. Like, forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's mine forever. <laughs> and that kind of you know, immensity, it, it, you know, luckily I got over it really quickly. And, and, you know, I would have had nine kids if I didn't get so incredibly sick during the preg pregnancies. Child was always fine, but mama was ooh, mm. so sick. Um, but I love, I mean, my kids are my greatest experience of my life. They're my greatest teachers, my biggest gurus. And so I chose them in front of anything else. And I did some very unconventional stuff, um, that really, pushed a lot of limits. I mean, even within my own family, you know, I'd be getting sent articles about kids that were reading X number of books by a certain day. But I know my kids, you know, right. and like my one child, like she's a born entre entrepreneur leader, like completely, you know, ball buster. Like she has no problem getting what she wants. <laughs> Is that Mathis? Yeah, it's Mathis. And she didn't want to read. Like, it's not like I didn't try. It's not like I was like, I'm going to superimpose another idea onto you. I was just like, oh, let's read a book. And she would be completely freaking out. 
you know, I tried to show her a flashcard once and she, she almost like ripped the deck up in front of me. <laughs> oh my God. So then I was like, okay, this is not working for her. So I think as parents, if we become really great listeners and understand that, um, we're individual, okay? We are vessels and we, we agree in contracts, you know, I, I feel out when we're in spirit and we make an agreement and there's a perfect life that's designed for the evolution of that soul. So we are guardians, but the ultimate mother and father is a co cosmic mother and father. It's not, it's not really us. So someone had asked me once, you know, what goals do you have for your children? And I kind of laughed because it never even occurred to me. You know, right. I was like... Um, to support them and it, what they want to do. Like, I need to find out who they are and then try to rush to support that in the best way possible. And um, and sure enough, you know, Mathis taught herself to read when she was seven, and she had, she never went to school till she was, I think, nine or ten, maybe even older, actually. Um, and she caught up in one semester. I believe it. You know, so, and it's not, it, it's an alternative school, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like super academic in, in that way, but um, what I tried to do is I tried to foster her voice so that she would know who she was. And um, I think all of us can use support in that manner. Um, I think even as women, we don't know how to advocate for ourselves because Society has taught us to be peacemakers, the ones that make everything okay, mm -hmm. you know. And so, uh, I just was. We did. I did a prayer with my uh, my bandmate uh, Amberia upstairs. We're doing some devotional, spontaneous singing where we just go into a field and start making sounds, and it's this mm. really amazing project oh, that's my going God, on. I bet. But we did a prayer today before we began, and the prayer was. Because um, it's International Women's Day today, yeah. she told me. Yeah. yeah, it is. So it was like, okay, let's say a prayer like for all women to be able to fully be themselves. And then you know, she says this beautiful prayer. And then afterwards, she said, "Do you want to add anything?" And I said, "Yeah, I want to add that I want to I want to put something into the intention that we learn to be to love even the parts of being a woman that are not soft, sweet, complacent, mm. peaceful, seductive." that we learn to love the parts of being a woman that are fierce, that say, no, no, uh-uh, you're not doing that, that hold a boundary, that fight for something greater, that hold the space for compassion. But this takes strength. This doesn't take, you know, some soft, you know, little quiet whisper in the background that is gonna make a male energy feel okay. You know, even if mm. the male energy is out of balance. So that was my prayer today. But I haven't let you say one thing on your own podcast. I've just been talking. For it's, the like last a <laughs> it's like a transmission, though. I think, it, I think it's like it's coming through you. And, and that's, that's awesome. That, that's way better than any question I could ask. So, <laughs> no, I, I think that you, like just talking about the, the homeschooling and sort of listening to your kids and what they want. I've heard you say before that, I think it was actually with Mathis, that um, – I forgot exactly what the subject was, but she essentially, let's just say it was space or something. And she got so obsessed with it that she sort of launched into, uh, this, just her own, like watching documentaries and doing all this research and was just like diving into it. And she ended up doing it for, you said like five or six weeks. She was like obsessed with the subject and she just learned the ins and outs of it and was obsessed with it. 
and coming, I'm listening to you, and I am a junior high school English teacher, and we have what are called standards, and we have to hit these standards every every month. We have to teach this curriculum by this date, and we're and we're like essentially moving kids through, right? And and they have to touch on this. So there's no, we're scratching the surface. There's no chance to dive deep. And I heard you say that, and, and the idea of listening and, and sort of going where they're leading you or where they're being led themselves is, is something that I, I really think is so important in education. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that in the educational system. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the women out there listening, or men, just anyone who, with kids, uh, who see the corrupt, not the corruption, but just they see the, the backwards old school thinking methodologies in an educational system and they're turned off by that, but they're so pressured yes. to, to conform, conform and, mm-hmm. and to join in on what the masses are doing. How would you suggest somebody navigate those waters? Yeah, well, first of all, let me make this one point and then make sure I remember what your question was. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to... I want to be clear about this. When I say listen to your children, I don't mean that you become the child and they become the parent and right. they are literally ruling the life. That is that is imbalance. I have to say that in order to do this alternative open space, I had to be able to hold a very strong boundary, which meant because oftentimes in parents that are listening to me, those of you that have evolved beings, you're noticing that you've given birth to beings that literally won't follow the rules. <laughs> like they're literally not, to, like you've read the parent books and you're trying all these things and your kid is just basically like flipping you the finger Yeah, and sorry. nothing is working. Okay. So I found myself in that situation. I had two boys, they're in their twenties now, super easy beings, super, super like mellow. Like we've had this like this idyllic, amazing friendship, amazing union. They're amazing beings. Then I gave birth to the two girls. And it's not a girl-boy thing, though, in this case, because my girls are not typical girls, you know, in a way that they they just broke everything. They broke every mold that they <laughs> grabbed. Awesome. That's awesome. And so I had to live with, like, a lot of... Um, I mean, Mathis would just bring in, like, truckloads of dirt into her room and just, I mean, absolutely insane things going on. And I let them draw all over the walls of one room in the house. Like I was just, I had to just give them domain. I was like, party, party on (laughs) there. There's your spot, you know? And now that I fostered, you know, she was painting as a, as a young child, like at even three, when she showed an interest in something, I didn't get her a little piece of paper. I got her a huge canvas, four by eight feet. I was like, go. She was outside in her underwear painting, like, you know, running her body into the canvas, like just completely crazy <laughs> things. And she now, um, as a 13-year-old, decided she wanted to apply to this art school. And she worked for a year and a half on a portfolio. Wow. Um, she left art for a while and went to play hockey. And I was like, please don't leave <laughs> art, you know, but yeah. she came back. So she's going to find out actually tomorrow if she gets in and it's, you know, it's only 32 kids out of 200 applicants that get into the, into the school. And so anyway, what I'm saying is what I was saying, and then I kind of sidetracked is you have to be responsible and you have to be authentic in yourself. A child is not going to take direction from someone who is not walking their walk, who is not able to take responsibility 
um, to hold a line when it's necessary and mm. also to admit when you're wrong. When I make a mistake, I go to my kids and I'm like, I fucked up. I felt like this, this happened, I shouldn't have done this, this was not your fault, I am taking responsibility, please forgive me, please understand, you know, and so because we have this dialogue, we have an ability to conflict resol um, resolution or resolve conflict that's very natural to us. And so, you know, and every child's different, you know, we're all different. Right. So you're never going to read a book that gives you the guidebook. But what I will say is I am seeing in some alternative school situations, having a teacher that does not have the respect of the students and then allowing the students free reign is also not a good situation. Right. So, and that's the case most of the time. It's a lot of the time. It's a lot. I mean, you know, again, it's like it's this pendulum. You know, it's like even with diet or whatever we do, it's like we, as humans, we tend to go extreme in every way. Yeah. And I am, I'm, you know, you could call me extreme, you know, obviously, but, and I am an advocate of breaking the school system, of just saying yeah, no to too. it. Yeah, me too. Yay. It's so mm -hmm. cool to, that you're teaching and that you're there. And, I'm trying to do it from the inside out. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. And, and I mean to say, you know, I, I have great respect for teachers, for anybody that wants to be a teacher. I mean, bless them all. You know, thank God that, you know, that these people exist that want to do this. And what I'm saying is that you have to be in yourself, and that includes... Like I just said, the nice, sweet, you know, you can't, you're not going to earn somebody's respect by trying to placate them all the time. So they're true. going to, they're going to turn on you. They're going to, they're going to say, you're not, you're not real. They'll see right through it. They'll see right through it. Oh, so true. Yeah. So I wanted to make that point. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about your, your question. And, and this is what I think is the issue. Okay. Can I ask you something real yes, fast please. though? Um, Cause I'm not going to forget that question I asked you. We'll come back to it. With, you said, you know, you have to draw the line. Obviously, we're not like the kids become the parents and we're like this, like, oh, do what you want. Like, do you believe, because I know that like I'm the kind of person thinking like I'm the one who read the books, you know, and my wife is the same. So like I know that someone's listening because I'm feeling it and I have the question is like, but how do I know the line, right? Like how do I know where to be to direct the creativity and where to sort of draw the line? Okay, sweetheart, let's bring that back. Let's Let's make sure we're this. What would you suggest, like my, my, my intuition is telling me to listen to my intuition, that I'll just intuitively know that, like I'll see it, mm -hmm. but I don't know, is that, do, would That's you That's what I would that? tell you, and I would say again, that we've lived in a world that has been strongly identified in the brain, the power of the brain, the power of intellect, and that's how mm -hmm. the entire school system has been crafted, right? Right. And that age is over. So it's true. already over. It's, it's been, been over. over. So what are we doing? We're keeping the kids in the same track, which it doesn't even make sense. What I would say is that we have to develop the heart-mind, the supreme intelligence that lives in the heart. Your heart will tell you. And the way your heart speaks to you is your body will feel it. So how do we become in touch with our body? We do things like practice yoga. We take mm -hmm. conscious breaths. We breathe. We take a minute. We feel into things. You know, we... So when you came in, I'm not... I'm not thinking about Jess and who he is and what we're going to talk about. My energy is circling you and feeling every aspect of your being. And I'm talking to you and I'm getting you cheese. But I've felt you as a holistic energy. Yeah. Because I'm, everybody has that ability, but I'm attuned to it. 
So I'm feeling your energy. It gives me a sense, and it's not a sense in words. It's a sense in all these indescribable qualities that is the summation of who Jess is or how I feel you present today in this moment because in every moment it changes. So what I would say is I trust moms and dads a lot. I really do. And if you know something for your child, almost nine times out of 10, I mean, of course, we have wounding, which I want to talk about, but I'm going to trust you. And what I do in my situation, you're not going to be perfect. You're right. going to make mistakes. You're going to ask for boundary when boundary wasn't needed, or you're going to fail to give a boundary when boundary was needed, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's how we learn and we shift and we adjust. But what I will say is that um, this is the core issue, in my opinion, of parents and children and making this leap. And I want to talk to you about, maybe you don't know, but I, I tried to launch a homeschool for many years and I failed up. Uh, but I do have some experience and I have a core model that I think your generation is going to end up realizing for me. I think that the, even this house will end up being a school for kids um, that because my generation couldn't, I was blowing their minds. I just exploded them into a million pieces. They couldn't get it. But let me, um, let me go to the core issue. And th this is the reason why education is the highest, like hot point, volatile discussion, which I didn't know. It's it's above religion, above race. Is it above the immunization shots and the? Uh, it that, might be. That's, that's like a right big there one too. too. That's a as huge well. one. That's a. I remember talking about that on Jeez. an early podcast of Rich, and I got like hate mail. I was like, "What's going on? It was crazy." That. Yeah. Yeah. So, but let's go to to our psyche to our wounds and our traumas as parents. So as parents, we had our own childhood and we had traumas, you know, and we had awesome things. And then we have a child, excuse me, and we, we decide and we declare to life that our child is not going to suffer the trauma we, ch we suffered, right? And that's a really beautiful idea, of course, because we learn and we want to pass our wisdom on to our children. But where we get caught up is that there is unresolved trauma within ourselves that we have not reconciled. Mm. It is not in right alignment in, from my view, from my perspective. It is not a high vibe thing to expect your child to work out your trauma. So what I would say to parents is your child is not you. They are not living your life. It is your responsibility to reconcile your trauma. It is not your child's responsibility to fix that for you. Now, many of these children did come in with these contracts to clear a miasm or a family addiction or something that goes back many years. And so they're going to come in bold and they're going to come in, you know, like part of with these expanded energies is without right guidance they can easily go to the dark. And right. they probably are going to go to the dark for a while. We, As a mom now, later, as I'm getting up in years, I'm understanding that as a human race or as a human being, we have to feel those edges ourselves. Totally. You can't just be like, well, my mom told me this is the way it was and that's the way it is. You know. So part of our process is to go experience some of those things. And it's extremely hard and traumatizing for a parent to watch your child go do something that's completely the antithesis 
of even what you presented or what you shared. And, you know, whenever you look at them, they're always 21 months old. You know, <laughs> they could be a grown man, they're still 21 months old. I so, can't imagine. But I think that that's a key thing. And I think anybody listening to this, if you can really take the responsibility for your own wounding, and, and you will experience a closeness with your child when you do that, because they don't like you putting your stuff on them. And they know it. They know it. And they resent it. And they're, they're, or maybe don't resent it, but they're just like, resistant. No. Yeah, they're like, no, I, that's your shit. You deal with it. So if you can really do that and be clean, then we can begin to maybe craft a different experience for our kids. Um, we're not going to craft an experience that's free from any trauma. And I don't right. think that that would be of service to them. But possibly we could craft an experience collectively as a community that at least fostered and supported each being in their own exploration to find their voice. Mm. So I'd like to tell you about my model if you're open for it. I've been dying to hear this. Okay. Uh, yeah, I want to hear it. So the name of my school was called Jai Seed, and Jai is the Jai. name of this house. Jai, Jai means victory, victory or praise or hail. It's like, yay. It's like a very uplifting. And Jai Seed was victory to the seed. Okay, so what is the seed? Well, the seed is many things. The seed is obviously a, a seed of a plant, but it contains the potential of all things. Seed is a child, you know, growing. The seed is our birth of humans into self-realization, into cosmic being, into the multidimensional awareness of who we are. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful artistic design where every potential exists within the seed. It already exists. It simply needs to be nourished, watered, cared for, sunlight, water, soil, the right soil, and then this seed will, will grow. So this was my model. Six families with two parents. I'm just, you know, there could have been one, but let's just take it for the model. Six families, two parents. I was just like, go in your community and pick six families. Then take a sheet of paper and write down each, each parent, the two from each, so we have 12, and then write down the inherent skills and the talents, skills, connections, network, qualities, personality traits of that individual. Mm -hmm. Write that down on a piece of paper. So then I said, let's look at the children that we have. Of those six families, let's take an inventory of who, who is our tribe, who are the children. This family may have five kids. This family has one kid. This family has a diagnosed autistic kid. This kid, ha or this family has, you know, three. This family has, you know, a wounded dog and, and, and one. So we, simply we're just looking at who are our kids. Okay. So what I said to the group is, can we agree as 12, as a group of 12 guardians to vow to care for just this population of kids? That's it. You know, so uh, it, it is not a tuition-based model. It does not mean that if you have five kids, you're paying five, five times more than a person that's paying one kid, you know, for one kid. It is a collective coming together, making an agreement that we're going to watch over. We're going to form a little mini village and we're going to watch over. Now, six is the minimum number to get enough momentum because if you do it with less than six, you, you're gonna, you know, some family's gonna be sick or they're gonna travel and it's like the continuity seem, seems to fall out. 
So then I had pillars of experience that were within this model. It's been a long time since I've even talked about it because yeah, I just shelved so cool. it for a while. I know. But it's, they're based around gardens. So there's a lot of work around gardens, cultivating gardens, but gardens as sacred expressions. So it might be, you know, a, a certain design. It might be a certain allocation of vegetables to fruit or vegetables to herbs. Um, but it is this connection with the soil, connection with the seed. And there's a lot of focus on wellness, nutrition, eating, um, experiencing these things. It's huge. There's a focus on spirituality, but spirituality Good. free of isms. There's no dogma. There's no, there's no sinning. There's no, none of these ideas that have been implanted on us. We're talking about spirituality of understanding that you are one of this greater force that is breathing all of us. So it's an open exploration, of course, fostering meditation, breathing practices, but again, be, to be clear, free of isms, mm. free of Kool-Aid, free of any of that, like a very grounded nature-based connection and, and individual up to what anybody what anybody's sensibility is. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the other, the, another big thing for me is creativity. Because oh. as I said before, creativity is the same thing as spirituality. It's the same thing as sexuality. One of the biggest problems on planet Earth is that our, sex, our relationship to our sexuality is completely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we are hitting so low. We're like aiming so low. And listen, like I love, you know, I love a great orgasm. Like, yay. Like, you know, enjoy it. It's part of being human. Uh, sexuality is a powerful force in our life. It creates, you know, our beautiful children, but it's also just a beautiful union between two consenting individuals, any variety, any sexual gender, any, any preference, as long as it's consenting adults. Um, and yet it is a spiritual power to merge with something beyond ourselves. And we have stopped at the level of an animal interaction. Right. And what's so hilariously amusing to me is that 99% of the planet, their main focus, like the main Holy grail is to have an orgasm. Right. I'm just like, I mean, people like what? And like I said, I'm not like really proper at all. I'm a pretty, uh, you know, I'm very open and I'm not uptight sexually. You know, I'm an artist. I draw nude bodies. I'm not, it's not that. It's that really like, please tell me that the entire human life is not that. And the problem is, is that our media, our culture, the way we portray women it's all around the objectification and the addiction to pornography, the use of, you know, all kinds of, you know, plastic and, you know, metal thing, like whatever the, <laughs> yeah. whatever the sex trade is into. But what we have to understand as guardians is that, you know, I know that there's a big um, kind of like cultural um, opinion that uh, men, uh, they just watch porn and that's the way it is because that's how a man is wired. It doesn't mean anything, but that's really what he needs to do. And what I'm here to offer is that when you participate in pornography, you are participating in a very low vibe expression. And if you're the father of any child, girl, boy, you need to meditate on that because mm. you are 
you are perpetuating that in the collective. And I know that that is not what you want for your child. Not at all. No. But see, we have a disconnect. And totally. you're like, oh, I'm a dad over here. Or I'm, I'll say women too, but I just, I don't know very many women that like watch porn all day. Like right, I'm not, right. I, not but maybe, huge... you know, yeah. But there's imbalances everywhere. So let's just be open. I'm not, right. and, but I'm just saying, you know, people don't want to say it. You know, because men want their porn, and now there've been some movies that have come out and things where they're 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 labeling that there's a lack of intimacy, that they're missing the intimacy because they've fallen in love with this like AI, not fallen in love, but they've become in a habit of sexual activity with an AI or a screen or you know, and it's going to get weirder right, as get weirder, we evolve. For sure. So what I'm saying is, people, we can we have to redefine what is sex, and we need to experience it in a sacred way, and we need to understand also. The creativity is the same as sexuality. So for instance, my boys were musicians. They were writing music and playing and performing wow. at a very young age. And you know, they weren't, we just really didn't have a lot of, a lot of that going on. They're, they just weren't interested in it yet. And it's not because they're not now, but when you are creatively engaged, you are balanced in the other areas. So I was telling somebody who suffered a, heart, a, a heartbreak, a breakup, and I was sharing with her, the medicine for a breakup is to start expressing yourself. Go paint something, go create something, go sing something. Get yourself, because you're dying for this energy, this connection. And mm. then that will give you a, a relationship to spirituality that will fill you it's that void you know we're trying to make that connection and it's that it's that void and what i'm seeing too happen in that form of creativity is that a lot of people are blocked creatively like to tell someone to go create is like telling them to go speak french it's like what do you mean go create i don't create i do things that i do every day and that's what i do and i think that like when like people feel that and they're listening they're like well okay create like what, like, what does that look like? How, how can I just create? And I actually had that question. I asked Rich that, and he suggested I read The Artist's Way. Yeah, uh -huh. And so I'm like in week eight of that, and it's really helped me unblock. It's but a great book. our school system, I think, even it blocks creativity in kids. Totally. So Big time. I, can, um, I volunteered um, when my boys were in preschool. Not a lot, but I came in and taught art. And I remember oh, cool. there was a, you know, I think they made a dog out of clay or something. That was the thing. So they made the dog. And then I lined everything up. And I was like, okay, what's the best dog? And they all went to the one that looked, that was the smoothest, that had like the closest thing. And I was like, wrong. <laughs> and they all looked at me like, are you crazy? And I was like, they're all right. All of them are right. And what happens is um, when we get into preschool, this is something that I'm just, oh, oh, no. as an artist. Okay, art in schools um, are often crafted programs that produce pretty pictures that make the parents feel okay about themselves. And it starts with the teachers cutting out, okay, I'm gonna cut out 9,000 little ducks and then you're gonna take that picture, that colored paper, and you can go ahead and paste this on, and then you're gonna add these things, and they call that art. And then they show the parent, look what your child did, and the parent's like, oh, that's good, right? <laughs> it's so dumb. But what's, is that art? Like, um, no, it's not art. It's not art. It's not art. It's following directions. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's, so 
who knows what that child would have spontaneously, and some of Mathis's most amazing stuff was when she, you know, I would just be like, stop, and I'd grab it and like, you know, hide it, keep it, because we're naturally spontaneously tapped in. And what happens is all, many of us, I hear this often in, in, my, in my interaction with, with humanity, is, well, I, I can't draw, or I'm a bad artist, or because they heard that, because they were, that they were in point. a class and they did something and something, somebody judged their expression. And one of the things, you know, one of the rules that I held like a mama bear in my own house is no one was ever allowed to make fun of ever, anyone's creativity, voice, whatever, was not allowed. Simply, like that to me is where I draw the line. Because what we're trying to do is feel ourselves and we're, this, we're each, every single one of us, there's only one of you in the entire multiverse. One. One, Jess. If you don't know who you are, then you will never have existed. So think about your precious child. What's your baby's name? Caleb. Caleb. Think about Caleb. I mean, is there anything more genius than no. that? And so why, why do we want to put them, why do we continue to put our kids in a system that has been, this is not just crazy Srimati talking about this. This has been proven. Like there are like reputable educators that have stated this truth that the school system is from the industrial age, does anybody even know what the world is going to look like in five years? No. Not right? even in one year. No. And I have a friend of mine, actually, that, I, I, that uh, is um, actually an educator. He teaches fourth grade now. who's a very successful businessman who um, we worked together. We had some healing together, and he actually went back and got his master's degree, and he's now in the school system trying to change it from the inside out. And somewhere in the middle of Mathis's career of home, um, it really was unschooling. It wasn't yeah. even homeschooling. It was unschooling, which means I just let her live. Right. And if she's interested in something, we run to that. We rush to it. But everything's like natural flow, living, being. And I did this going through financial collapse. So please don't project on me that I have this amazing, I was blessed. I'm immensely blessed. But what I went through, th through during those years, most people would never, you know, it was, a, it was a lot. I was fighting. I was in courts. I was praying. I was, you know, it was so much output. So, um, but what was I going to say? Uh, oh, um, he, Mathis went and spent like the weekend with them or went over there. And, you know, he was teaching fourth, she was in fourth grade he, or would have been in fourth grade. And he was teaching you know, all the things of fourth grade. And, and he called me afterwards and he was like, she's just amazing. Like, she's doing great. And I said, you know, she can't, I didn't teach her how to write. Like, she's, I didn't even teach my kids how to write. I didn't even do the, the little traceable letters. And you know what I discovered with my other child, Jaya, when huh. she started writing? She had a beautiful little curly cue thing that was this, it was like a symbol. And she wrote that way. That was the way she wrote. <sighs> but see, we... We take the mystery out because we tell the kid, this is how you draw an R, do it this way. And they even have tracers. They yeah, trace they, they have those little dots, right? Yeah. I never taught my kids how to write. You know, it's like, stop it. Right. <laughs> stop interfering with these beautiful divine designs. And um, so, but he told me, you know, I said to him at that time, I was like, well, I said, you know, something like, 
she, uh, he, he's, I said, she, she's not writing like essays or whatever that was. And he was like, he goes, yeah. He goes, I, I don't really know. Are they going to need to do that? Like, are they? <laughs> That's the. They just are like Siri this. So right. it's, it, they, they learn everything from YouTube. Like my That's daughter true. learned to knit on YouTube. Right. You know, my nephew's like, I'm, you know, he's like uh, become an astrologer. I'm like, where did you use that? He's like from my favorite professor, YouTube. You know, yeah. it's like everything is available to us. So the things that I think our children need is connection with us, great diet, and meaning healthy, non-GMO, non-processed, gluten-free, but healthy, organic, always, um, homegrown, lots of family time around the table, music in our lives. Mm. If you play an, start playing an instrument, even if you suck, play music after dinner, have it be a part of the family, so paint together, even if you're horrible. Like, I try a lot of things. I started playing sitar three years ago. Now, sitar is the hardest <laughs> instrument on the planet. And I didn't actually try to play sitar. It kind of came to me. <laughs> and I have, to be, I have to be okay sucking <laughs> yeah. for a while. And like Dave Grohl said this from, you know, Foo Fighters. He said that they sucked. He's like, we were a band, we were horrible for so long. And then suddenly, we kind of started getting better. And that's what's happening in my sitar. Like, I, suddenly I'm bending strings and I'm getting comfortable with it. And I'm, I'm out of what I call the power crouch, you know, because I, you know, when you learn to ski and you're like just holding on, everything's yes. gripping. So I'm kind of out of the power crouch with the sitar. And it's like, we need to stop being so violent to ourselves. Art and music and movement, it's part of what it means to be a human. Right. It's tribal. You don't, you don't have to sing, have to not sing because you're not Beyonce or you can't like scat or something like that. And you'd be surprised what you can develop, what you can cultivate within yourself. And I think if you have this more open type of, of, of environment that you will form a much deeper relationship because when people feel loved and accepted unconditionally, when you can love and accept yourself unconditionally, mm. then they can feel really good sitting next to you because they won't feel that judgment. And the other thing that I think is key as parents is that it's important that we don't portray to our children that we are perfect. When you do this, you create a division between you and your child because the child is going to be feeling all the human feelings that we all feel, like we don't know it all, we don't have it figured out, we're scared, we feel lost, all these things. And if you are always presenting to your kid like you are just together always, they're gonna feel afraid to confide in you because they will never wanna disappoint you. So you will not know your child if you are not able to own up and be transparent with who you are. And this could get tricky because some parents live kind of a double life to their kids. They're smoking pot, but then they're with their kids. They're, you know, so in, in my life, you know, we're very transparent. There's really nothing, there's nothing that we're Keeping. I mean, I there is, that. of course, you know, there's, you know, my intimate relationship with their father is our own <laughs> private business. Obvious, Hello. Yeah. But, you know, um, this is what I want to offer because I think that that is a mistake 
that maybe we meet, we make because we're like, oh, I'm the parent and I have to have it together and I have to be perfect. But your child doesn't need you be, to be perfect. They need you to be human and they need to be able to go to you and go, dad, would it, you know, I, I made a mistake. You know, I offended somebody. I hurt somebody. What do, what do I do? What did you do? You know, and when they see that humanity, they'll sit a little closer to you because it feels okay. We've gotten pretty far away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, even, I'm, I'm even thinking about as a, as a teacher, you know, it's the same thing. Like I, I see so many kids that are in pain and so many kids who are struggling. And sometimes I'll scrap a whole lesson for the day and it'll just end up being a, you know, let's, let's share what's going on. What, what questions do we have and how can we, how can we solve them? What, what, you know, cause a lot of the kids, they don't have, they don't have parents and they don't, that, that care, or they just have one parent who works three jobs. And, and I see that happening a lot. And granted my son's so young, but I always want to be that dad, you know, who's, who's, who feels him, mm-hmm. you know, and who's, mm-hmm. who's there for him and who, he can talk to because he, I, I mean, I hope he'll always know I'm not perfect because I make so many mistakes that, right. and I want him to see that and feel that. And I think that, that having him being around him more in a, an unschooling homeschooling situation, it just seems to me like such a, the right answer. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm just being, being pulled there. And I had this discussion I wanted to tell you about with the principal at our school uh, me and her are very close. She's young. She's, you know, most principals are in there. Uh, you know, they're older, and she's in her mid-40s. Um, she's a little bit new-agey. You know, she's a little bit with it. And I told her, I, I teach three courses of English in this class called Teen Leadership. And Teen Leadership, I've, I've turned into a personal development, like, That's curriculum great. that I've just sort of created um, we have weeks on, you know, self-love is, you know, and then we have a week on relationships with your parents, with your family, because they don't, they don't get that. And I told her just straight up and I said, I'm thinking about homeschooling my kids. And she was just kind of like caught off guard. And then I, I said, you know, why do we teach math and English and science and history? Why are those the, why are those the core? What, what, why is that so important to you? Or to the system, like I just think that's backwards. I think we should be teaching, you know, creativity is a huge one. I think we should be teaching connection. We should be teaching self-love and, and relationships, and we should be teaching these things uh, instead. And she actually agreed with me, and I couldn't believe it. She agreed. <laughs> she said, "I, th- I think I agree with you totally." Um, her resistance, though, she said, "I actually was thinking about homeschooling," and the thing that turned her away. It was two things. One was what we already touched on, which was uh, that she felt that it was giving the kids too much control. They become the parents, and the parents sort of become like this laissez-faire, sort of just relaxed. And the other one was the the sense of like being around hundreds of other kids that are from hundreds of different backgrounds, getting all the spices and varieties of life that they wouldn't get. And I said, yeah, but what if we have a tribe of, uh, I said, what if we have a tribe, you know, of, of six families and there's 15, 20 kids? Is that, she goes, that's still, you know, that, that's not going to do it. That's not going to show them. Imagine what you learned in public school and this and that. And I, I'm sure that comes up for you from people, the, the whole. Yeah. I mean, can I, can we have this discussion about, about this, <clears throat> this argument? Uh, What do you do 
when a child is in a population at school, it's not about quantity because they could be in that sea of 100 kids and be completely isolated. My experience with my boys, because my, my older boys I did not unschool, they went to private school and then they transitioned into public school due to financial reasons. And while they were musicians, they're very bright, they're very book smart and they were very able to do the curriculum very easily. After they each spent one year in high school, they came to me and said, Mom, we want to homeschool. And I said, really, Whoa. why? Because they, they were kind of already done. I was like, just do the work and be done. Then I found out that they were these incredible musicians, amazing songs, like amazing, heartfelt, like Radiohead-inspired type vibe. And none of their friends knew they were musicians. No one at school knew they were musicians because there was such a culture for a specific type of music and my sons felt it too dangerous to reveal who they were because of the fallout of the peer thing that sets up. So as an artist, I was just horrified. I was like, that's just against every single thing. Like you're supposed to be young, like it's supposed to be this time. And they felt completely shut down. And they are like they're personable, they could walk in and talk to people. They're not awkward kids um, at all. But that was, their assessment was, this is a minefield, this is not safe, mm. uh, we need, we're going to do this. So they both did hybrid, which they went and met with a counselor, and they blasted through their studies in like 10 days, <laughs> and then they wrote music the rest of the month. That's awesome. So, that is so yeah. cool. Yeah, and you know, they were like, of course, they didn't take a bunch of AP class. Like, they just didn't go that way, and they di they don't want to go to college. They're now studying with a producer, like, all day, every day. Like, they've, they're learning everything about music, but they're clear that's, that's what they want to do. They're not worried that, you know, and they're super smart. Like, when, you know, if you, anybody that meets my boys, they're just like, oh, my, you know, like, they can talk about everything, everything, political things, every, you know, every single thing. They didn't need public no, school. They didn't, no, they didn't really need it. Um, but let's go, let's go to middle school right now. And uh, let me just ask you, as a teacher, um, what you would do if your child was in a progressive school and they were getting bullied um, for their sexual uh, orientation. However, the child is even too young to even know their sexual orientation. This is something that's being put on them. And this ties our hands as parents because you can't tell the administration because the administration will intervene and the child can't withstand the blowback that will happen from the kids. So, so what I ask everybody listening to this podcast, and, and uh, you know, when I became a plant-based chef and uh, an advocate for eating sustainably and compassionately, I don't like saying veganism because I don't like isms because I'm a free being. Right, right. But I eat plants and yeah. I don't eat animals. Um, but um, it is an implant it is the same implant that makes you ask me immediately, where do you get your protein? Okay, it's a, like Rich has a slide in his, in his talk. And the first one is like these cartoon figures. And the first one says, hey, I'm going to get drunk. And the friend's like, awesome. And the second one is, hey, I'm going to pig out at McDonald's. And the friend's like, hey, will you bring me along? 
And the third one is, hey, I'm going out to smoke a joint. The person's like, cool. And the last one is, hey, I went vegan. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, you're going to die. What are you doing? You're going to die. You're gonna, <laughs> t- where are you going to get your protein? Okay, so we have to start being so smart true. when we look at why do we believe the things we believe and who told us that? Somebody told us that. And you know why they told us that is because why is it called the stock market? It's called the stock market because it used to be trading livestock. I didn't know that. Okay, but I mean, it's obvious. <laughs> it's called the stock market, yeah. But it's obvious now, right? Right. So money, greed, we are being implanted with thought forms that we don't even know where they came from. And then we start operating in our lives, and I guarantee you, everybody listen to this, just go tell somebody you're vegan. The first thing they're going to say is, but where are you going to get your protein? It is. You'll have time. like a five-year-old who doesn't even know what protein is, and they'll say, where are you going to get your protein? Yeah. Or just... It's crazy. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. And as Rich shares, do you know in your life personally anybody who's been medically treated for a deficiency in protein? No. No. Right? No. I've never heard of that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So so we're sort of starting to wake up. We're sort of starting to understand that the banks weren't here for our, for all of our, you know, all of our best interests. Right. That, you know, protein... Uh, you don't need protein, right. um, and you do need some, but you get all of it in plants, all and you it. get it lower on the food chain where all the animals are eating the plants. <laughs> and also, there's even science that if you eat too much protein, it's actually hurting you. Yeah. Okay, so the same that same condition is the same belief that if you homeschool your kids, they will be damaged socially. Yeah. It's the same implant. And I'll tell you when I got rich, my Stanford educated Cornell Law School husband to stop screaming and kicking. I, what I chose to do with our kids, he was literally, his brain was exploding. I can only imagine. Oh, it was. I can only imagine. Yeah, he was out of his mind. Like, oh my God, why did I marry this woman? No, I'm just, but he did pick me and he's, you know, he's been along for the ride. But, um, um, wait, I'm going, oh. When Tyler was in ninth grade, in this is my oldest, and he he was trying his first ninth grade year of of high school, right? So he wanted to have a party, and we said, "Great, we'll have a party here." They can't drive yet. I had some of, you know, my sober friends here, and we were like, "We'll be complete cops. We'll check every bag." <laughs> like we thought we had our shit together. We were gonna like lock down this party. <laughs> right. So they were playing music, and they had a DJ, and all these kids wow. came. And what interesting thing is there were 150 kids that were dropped off at our house of children in, wow. children in ninth grade. Only one parent came in to meet me. Only one. One. What? Yeah. They came in to meet me. We clearly understood that we were in over our head and that, you know, like... The kids are walking in. They're not even eye contact with us. It's just like, it's like they allowed us to take over their house and just, you know, it was risky business, but we were actually home. So, you know, we were checking bags, you know, and Rich saw these girls walking in and like, listen, we're not conservative. I'm all for sexy. I'm all for, you know, you know, celebrating your body, whatever. Rich was absolutely out of his mind at the way these girls were dressed. I mean, it was bordering really dark, like not good. And it was at that party that he agreed that I would unschool the girls. Because I was like, okay. I was like, you want to fight for social indoctrination. This is where they're going. 
So is that what you want? Mm. You know, and he was like, no, no, no. And listen, it's not a perfect ride. We have our own challenges. You know, these things come up in the culture. It's everywhere in media. You know, you know, we, we're all going to go through our dark night. But I'm just saying that is a dumb argument. And I absolutely disagree on every single bit of what your principal and many people present. And I read something by a homeschool mom on a blog that I thought was extraordinarily beautiful, and I can't remember her name. But she said that as a homeschooling mom, she was not socializing her children. She was humanizing them. Wow. And this is the thing, you guys. Like, why did we become parents anyway? And listen, I'm an artist. I'm a singer. I've, you know, I have a marriage, you know, I'm not, I don't want to spend all day like in a book with my kids. I don't even have the aptitude to do that. Yeah. But when you unschool or when you homeschool, every opportunity is, is a chance for learning. And it's something that's applicable in the real world. So, um, my friends, um, uh, um, I'm forgetting his name, Byron Davis, uh, he's an Olympian, an amazing individual, and he and his wife, Annette, uh, they were homeschooling. And I mean, their kids walked in, and they could have been the president. I mean, wow. that's how dialed in they were. They were just like, hey, how are you? What's up? You know, and so engaged and so bright and so all these things. And she's the one who told me, Julie, if you're going to homeschool, you're not going to create a classroom in your home with a blackboard. No. Otherwise, stay in school. If that's working for you, stay in school. <clears throat> stay in school, excuse me. She said, but you're going you're gonna to start to embody your life as a classroom. So it's like, it's not that we only learn Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's every day. It's what's going on. At one point, Mathis got into fashion design. I got her a mentor. It's when we were making a little bit more money and I could hire somebody to come in. So I had a young fashion designer worked with her nine hours a week. And for two years, she was creating garments. Wow. Like, and she was probably nine, nine, ten. <laughs> and she would, she was always a night owl. Since she was a baby, she drove us crazy. She would never go to sleep. So I'd just look out my window and she'd be in, uh, you know, in the studio just sewing like till like one in the morning. That's so but that, awesome. But that was her vibe. It's her cadence. It's the way she is. So to make this child go to school at that age, it was like so hard for her. So yeah. hard for her to really fit in. And now things will change. Your kids won't always want to be unschooled. They'll want to go try something else out. Right. They'll want to go to school. They'll want to try a private school. One kid might need this. One kid might need something different. There's no one rule. But at least I can say that when my kids were from zero to eight, okay. that I nurtured them to feel themselves, to find themselves. And hopefully they, they can say no if somebody superimposes something on them or is out of line, they can be like, no, uh-uh, that doesn't work for me. Right. So I if, hope. So if Caleb is turned seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, whatever, and he says, hey, dad, I really want to go to school. Yeah, then put him in. You would advise, like, of course. cool, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's about listening to them and allowing them their own experience. In the That's same cool. way, like you were asking, like, how do you, how do you know when to put the boundary and when not? And I think that children are very developed beings. I always view my kids as advanced souls that have had thousands of lifetimes. So even though they're in a little body, 
I do not feel energetically superior to them. That's ever, cool. ever, never did. So they never felt that from me. It was always an equanimity. It mm. was like, okay, and then, you know, it would be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to keep the car keys and the matches away from you and the knives. So you can scream and yell, but that's my job. Right. But I'm, but I'm not... I'm not here like I'm superior than you and I know what you should do in every area. So it's an exploration of experience. So what do I do when my girls say, we want a piece of that cheese pizza, dairy cheese pizza at the party? I'm like, go ahead, have it. Then afterwards, they're like, if they're like, mom, I don't feel so well. I'm like, cool, let's track back. <laughs> What'd you eat? You know, and then they're like, oh, it was a pizza. And then they're like, they don't want to believe it's the pizza. Right, so then they do it again. And then, you know, and I'm there and, you know, we're doing like, you know, castor oil on the tummy with like, you know, hot, hot pads. I'm like, you really can't eat that, you know, whatever. And then the third time they're like, mom, I want a pizza. I'm like, that's cool. You make the decision. If you get sick, I'm not available for you. So you're on your own cool. because like you know now. So cool. Do it. Have your experience. Let it be your own. You have to let them find the truth for them. And then there are certain things that I draw the line. If my daughter came home tomorrow and was like, you know, I want you to make chicken for me, I would say no. But if she really persisted and really had to have it, you know, I would, you know, probably show her a bunch of review the documentaries. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, at some point, it's like, it's like if we push too, too hard, then... They're just going to rebel any way the other it's way. It's so true. Right? It's so true. That was me growing up. I was the biggest rebel. Me like, too. Uh, me and you are very similar. I've heard you tell your story, mm -hmm. and I just relate like mm -hmm. times 10 to that. Mm -hmm. and, I, in, and I'm actually doing the same with church with my son uh, as I am with school. Is I'm, I'm planning on homeschooling, and then church, no church unless he asks for it. Like, mm -hmm. Dad, I want to go to church mm -hmm. because that was something with me. Mm -hmm. I was very... You had to go. Had to go mm -hmm. three times a week. And what is your faith? Very, can I ask? It was. It's Christian. Christian. Yeah, my dad's a Christian minister, and That's so, so it was. Cool. Yeah, a lot of the light was on our family, right? And that was all good right. until about you know middle school, and junior, then it high school, not good, yeah. and then it became not good at yeah. all. But but I but I respond, and I'm very in tune to my son, and not being that authoritative. I'm mm -hmm. superior. You're inferior. You right. listen because I'm saying it, and there's no other rationale. Yeah. And so when to, just to hear you say that is like this. And when you compare that, that comparison to the protein, you know, becoming plant-based, the comparison between that and the, the argument with, with homeschooling and not getting the social aspect, it just like, it just brings so much peace to me. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I really Absolutely. appreciate that. Yeah. This is and I think that, you know, again, it's this, um, you know, like you see a picture of Bhagavan Das on the, on the, on the fireplace and, He's the um, was the 19-year-old surfer who actually led uh, Ram Dass, Richard Alpert, to Neem Karoli Baba and named him Ram Dass and became like the kind of spiritual teacher of the 60s. And he did part of Rich and My Wedding. And part wow. of the beautiful thing about Bhagavan Das is just he's so human. Like he'll just sit down and just admit all his shit. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm an addict or I'm a sex addict. And you're like, awesome. Sit down. Let me make you a cupcake. <laughs> it's such a relief. Right. You know, and it's like. I feel like I know so, you now. Well, like, and it's just like, like it's this thing about like, what, what are we saying? You know, what are we saying? We're all in this exploration. We all come from the one, you know. And this is the thing is that my experience of being a born again Christian, it was, it's actually like comedic and fantastic. I was so happy as a born again Christian. It was fantastic. Have you ever heard me tell this story? No. But, 
No, so I much in, like somehow like how does this happen? I don't know being a parent how this happened, but I became born again with a friend when my parents didn't even know, and I was like 11. <laughs> so here I'm 11, you know, 11. I'm 11, going on 50, <laughs> and I get in this in this uh, you know like a progressive church where they've got a band like you know the only oh, that's cool. the only thing that's missing cool. was like white vanilla smoke off the stage right, and, right. and I was a closet musician so I would like like that I was like yes of course so you know the the minister's like hey who wants to be saved and I mean I think my legs were running before my mind even knew it was happening I was just like yes like it's <laughs> me. me 11 you know and I also just you know I I had gone to Sunday school and I had gotten a bible and recited the 23rd psalm and you know, I was like, this Jesus dude is just awesome. Like, it's I awesome. loved him. I yeah. just identified so much with him. I was like, this guy is the shit, you know? So even when my parents <laughs> stopped going to church, I would, like, catch a ride with the neighbors. Wow. I, I was like, hey, could I go, you know? Because I was like, I thought it was great. And then I begged my parents to send me to Christian school, and they refused. And I went to a summer camp which was super fun until a pr one of the ministers lost his head. It was the classic thing where it was, there were the children of the ministers who were actually juvenile delinquents, right? Okay, so they were like, they were smoking pot and like the whole, that's it. Jess is nodding his head. Yes, that was that was... Maybe Jess and I know each other from another time. I think so. No. So, like. so here we are, we're listening to this minister, you know, testify, I guess you call it. And we're like really good. We're like underlining the Bible. And then all of a sudden these guys like just, just to tease us, they mouth to us, we want to get saved. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and we're just, you know, we're like 11, you know, or I'm 11. My friend was older than I was. She was probably like 14 or something. But, you know, we were just like, yes, like this is awesome. Yeah. So we started like passing notes because we were going to save, you know, everybody's getting saved and how awesome it was, right? Right. And then the preacher, like after that, he yanked us in a room and he yelled at us what? so violently. It was the most violence I had ever seen. And I was completely just spun because he was offended that we were passing notes. Um, but he didn't know the reason we were passing notes was that we, <laughs> we thought we were going to save the delinquent pot smoking <laughs> drug addict child of right. his or whatever. So it was oh, just this thing. And then, is... and then closely after that, the woman that had been my camp, like the cabin den mom, they then accused her of having like a possession. Like I started looking around and just as a young kid, like 11, I started to see the fanaticism mm. and the imbalance and the imbalance and the imbalance. And I was just kind of like, people, like you're out of control here. Like this is not... This is this just can't be right. And I remember going to one of the ministers and I said, okay, so let me get this straight. So if a child is born in China and they've only been exposed to Buddhism, then they're going to hell? And he was like, well, they're going to get one time in their life to accept Jesus in their heart. And if they miss, then they're lost. Oh. And I just walked away from that. And at age 11, I was like, yeah, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Like I just, yeah, I just knew no. it. It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. And so, so then I decided, which was then I decided to actually go. Oh, and the, another funny thing is I had a really good friend of mine who was Mormon, Danny Debenham. And I was so psyched to tell him I got saved. Like I ran, we played kick the can every night in the neighborhood. I would run. I was like, Danny, Danny. I was like, I got saved. And like, he looked at me and he was like, 
well, Julie, you're still going to hell because you're not a Mormon. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one tribe <laughs> just, from another. Yeah. So then, and then I just looked at him like I was like so angry at him. But oh, then yeah. we just started playing the game. Right. Then we just played kick the can. The and God found us in the game, <laughs> yeah. and it was all fine. Right. So, so I have, I do understand. I understand the immense joy and all the great qualities that come from that. And because of that experience, um, there, you know, there is no elite group. There is no special group that's that's going to get out before another. And even in multidimensional mechanics, which is something that I now have worked in, which is, um, you know, mind-blowing. Even in that, there mm -hmm. are certain life forms where their contract is to serve a specific purpose, and there is no value difference between any life form. Like, the sun is shining on all of us with the exact same frequency. It doesn't care if you're a butterfly, if you're Jess, if you're a tree, if you're a mountain, if you're Srimati, if you're you know, Beyonce, it doesn't care. It's shining the same. Mm -hmm. And so that feeling of divinity is what I'm talking about, bringing in to our relationship with our children. It's divine love. It's loving someone simply for the fact that they exist. Before mm -hmm. any achievements are earned, before any titles are gained, before any, you know, anything's been expressed. Simply the fact Caleb exists is a miracle of God. How gorgeous. Enjoy it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's the most beautiful thing. And my boys moved out in, dis in January. I cried the entire month of I December. Can't. I did not hold it back. I just told them I'm not going to hold it back. I broke down in their arms. It's, I it can't was imagine that. so bad. And I go have dinner with them in Los Feliz. We go to this amazing cafe called Elf. And they take me to dinner once a week or once every two weeks. And cool. they're like, and it's not like I wanted them to stay. They're right. growing up. Right. But it's but it's the completion of this such a beautiful experience. And aren't we blessed as parents to have that opportunity? And so why are we dropping our kids off with people we don't know? Why? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's. I would drop my kids off with you. I'm so happy to, to meet you and know that you're doing that. I'm just saying we can ask the question and we can take responsibility and we can do better. Yeah, we can, we can find it within ourselves to have the strength to say, for example, to my parents, yeah, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It feels right. Yeah. And to be ridiculed and, oh, yeah. and to the and get whole, ready, <laughs> get ready. Well, we're experiencing that right now. We're not giving Caleb his shots. Yeah, good. And thank you for I, that. I've made, yeah. Thank you. I, I want to like hold even, that space for you. Thank you. Well, I didn't know where you stood with it. So I'm even, I was, that shows you how sensitive of a subject it is because I was yeah. even scared to say it, but, um, we're not doing it, but like just seeing just from our family is very supportive, but just from the inner circle, the, the reactions from people, mm -hmm. Uh, it's very, you know, very intense. It's very intense. Yeah, my and girls are not vaccinated. That's. It just feels once again though, like like it's moving that way. Mm -hmm. we're, we're we're waking up to what's going on, and we're mm -hmm. seeing the corruption behind a lot of this this. And I think right now what what we're struggling with in our generation is is finding that that strength in our decision, like. Cause it's funny. Like I always felt like I, I was crazy to be a teacher and be sitting in the staff meetings and listening to this standards that we have to teach and thinking like 
this is all bullshit. What are we even doing here? Why are we, what is this? Is this 2018? This doesn't feel real. Mm -hmm. Am I like, this is, and then I thought I was crazy, but every person, every friend, family member I talked to about, why are these subjects the course, Dan? Why is this? Why is this? They all share the same. Most of them are like, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, it's just so reassuring to hear you say this and to learn this from you. And I, I just can't tell you, I'm literally tickled to talk about this with you because it's like, it's just, I feel like I needed it. My wife is going to hear this. And, and we have so many people in our immediate family who are all on the same wavelength that I've been telling that I'm going to be sitting down with Sri Mati and I'm going to be talking to her about these subjects and, and just like, cause like they're asking me, I'm sort of like the, what do you think we should as the educator? Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, like I've never been here. I, I've never tried to start a homeschool or I, I don't know. So to hear you just give your wisdom, I, I can't tell you what that means to me and the audience and the people who are listening. Well, it means a lot to me to, for you to be open to receive it because I've been the crazy woman in the back of the room for a long time. And, you know, it, it gets lonely and it gets frustrating, of course. And, you know, I've thrown my own father out of my house from this table because he... Um, you know, came at me about Mathis and the way I was raising her. And, um, you know, and I was like, you're wrong and I'm right and you're going to see it. And I am right. You I are. was right. You are. <laughs> so, but I love my dad, but it's like enough, you know, no. And so I'm the mother. She chose me. And I told him that he wouldn't last one afternoon as her mother. So he has no right to tell me what is, you know, I am her guardian for this. And I, it's a big triumph for me because if I had had Mathis diagnosed, she would have been diagnosed as on the spectrum of something. But I chose not to put that reality on her. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, Stu, Stu Bone, actually, uh, we, he came over and had dinner with us. He was somebody that we, I invited actually him to come and park his Airstream here on the land. And he came to know us during our dismantle. And he's a very established financial real estate mogul, like does huge deals and stuff like that. And he gave me the greatest compliment at dinner on Sunday. He told me that he understood quantum physics because he had seen me um, actuate that in my life. He had watched me hold this vision of my reality while everybody else was saying no and the life was saying no and we were getting our cars repossessed and like all this stuff was happening. But I held that vision um, against all appearances to the contrary and and I succeeded, and that vision became reality. And so what I'm saying is, you have to do that with your children, and I didn't want to diagnose Mathis because, first of all, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a wellness advocate, I'm in pre- prevention and healing practices, and not that I don't go to the doctor when I need to, but I don't use doctors as, doctors are not my god. No. You know, I've, I healed myself of a cyst in my neck, using Ayurveda and plants, and you know, I try to uh, to eat well and to be connected and, you know, move the body and stuff like that. But I didn't, I knew she already had a lot. We had a lot to manage energetically. And I didn't want her to have a diagnosis to then have to process on top mm. of it. And, you know, it was also light. It wasn't like, I mean, it took an extraordinary amount of energy, mind you. But it wasn't like she was lost and I couldn't communicate. You know, it wasn't like I right. needed... I, I had enough enough help from my team around me. Um, and so it's, a, it's with great, I, know, I don't use the word pride because I'm, um, 
I want to honor her as her own energy. You know, I don't own her, but I'm, I'm extremely thrilled and happy for our collaboration as mother and child and to see her go into that interview and present her portfolio of 12 pieces. And it's a tough school and, you know, we'll know if she gets in in the next couple of days, but even if she doesn't get in the process of a 13-year-old to spend a year and a half working on a portfolio, that's cool. I mean, I, I wish I did that when I was 13. Yeah. I certainly didn't. So anyway, but I would love for this to be an opening conversation, uh, a continu to a continued conversation. I'd love to share, you know, the the inner workings of my book with you. Um, I've I've shelved it because I was like, okay, they can't they can't receive it now. Yeah. But I met a really beautiful couple in Miami actually when I was there for a retreat last month, and they're they're pregnant and having a baby and just fully beautiful and. I had this similar conversation with him. And he said, he's like, that's it. I'm unschooling. He's like, thank you, Srimati. I knew this was right. He said, but I, but you said it and you've given me the courage. Like now I have, yeah. I have a foundation now to begin. And you know, like I said, you're going to screw up. It's not going to be perfect, but I'm telling you, have you seen what's going, you have seen because you teach in, in school. Um, it's not all that in school. Um, so, you know, have your kids around a lot of age ranges, you know, take them out. There's all kinds of homeschooling groups that do great things. Go camping, um, go to the museum a lot, you know, there's great stuff going on. It's a beautiful world we're in, and I believe in you guys' generation to yeah. flip the switch on this. And, um, you know, the, the babies are getting more and more and more evolved, more sensitive, more um, at risk from certain toxins. And so you're very in tune that you made your decision. Um, and I support you in that. Thank you so much. Yeah, and it must be reassuring for you because you said that when you were saying this, you were being ridiculed like no other. Mm -hmm. Is it just reassuring for you to see the generation catching up yeah. to you? And you've sort of been, you're like a trailblazer mm -hmm. essentially, right? Because mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny. I had five main topics I wanted to dive in with yeah. you, and we touched on one, I and know. that's the craziest thing. But like, what what one of them was just essentially that you are a, this trailblazer who, I mean, because because Rich has essentially gone down the path he's gone down because of your leadership and your guidance, and I think that that is something for you to see not only in, in him and in your children, but then just in the generation, the fact that there are so many people waking up to these uh, from vaccinations to homeschooling to nutrition and plant-based and all the, the documentaries coming out now with that are just going to change the game. Game changers are going to change yeah. the game <laughs> and really bring this new awareness. I mean, you go to whole, you can go to Vons now, you can go to Ralph's and there are just so many plant-based options now and there are just... Like, like it, it must be for you ahead of your time to be a beautiful thing to see this. It's very beautiful. It really is. And, you know, and I'm just, uh, I'm just getting started because I've been yeah. really um, waiting to cultivate my own brand. Um, you know, I have a lot of stuff that I'm doing on my own. I'm commercializing my cheese. And so, um, yeah, I'm actually moving out on my own and, uh, I'm writing my own memoir, and nice. so a lot of these things I'm going to share, and 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 it means a lot. I mean, again, looking at divine design, and and we can get confused by the culture and by society or what roles we're playing, but we all have areas of refinement that can be of service. And for me, for me to be able to hold this space for you, or for me to be able to facilitate somebody transitioning from this life into another life. Um, 
you know, or to clear somebody of addiction or do some of these multidimensional healing practices that I do. I mean, that is at the core of everything that I'm doing. Within this cheese is a consciousness of awakening. It's not because I had to make a cheese product. It's not like this is a cupcake. Right. It's, there's an energy within it. And I'm honored to be able to serve my divine design that way. And, and I, I do it in a very unique way, in a very powerful way. And so real life is happening real life is happening and no diet is going to save you from real life. Right. And we came here to rediscover, to remember ourselves as spiritual beings having a human experience or as multidimensional beings having a simultaneous experience. And the real power of the human is the empathy. So if we can commit to ourselves to be our own beloved, for you to be the most beloved relationship of your life. And I'm talking about all the answers are in your heart. Mm -hmm. All the intelligence is in your heart. Everything you need is in your heart. The macrocosm is existing inside your heart. So by really going into that, and yes, plant-based food is the first layer to start to get into that. Um, As but you say, the portal, right? It's the portal. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful life that we get to come into these bodies and remember who we are and maybe in ignite or hold a hand out for someone else so that it's a little softer, a little sweeter, you know, a little more fun, a little creative. So yeah, it's going to be a cool time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to really, I I've written on my memoir for like two year period and then I put it aside and did a bunch of cookbooks, but um, I'm excited to share some of these concepts because I do believe that they do have validity and it's going to be a beautiful day when I look around and see <clears throat> families actually making the decision to do this as a tribe collectively and share talents. And, you know, with that six family, 12 person model, I just know randomly if you threw a dart and you took the quality, you took the talents of that group of people, they would start far surpass what's being offered in school system. I believe it. I totally believe it. You don't it. even have to know who it is. Right. I totally believe it. Yeah, gotta be. And and please write that. Because <laughs> okay. like we need that and, and we need to know that we're not crazy for thinking and feeling the way that we mm -hmm. feel because it can feel that way. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're alone. Well, remember, there's a quote, I think it's by Ken Wilber um, and he said something that really helped me because, you know, I had I had like some tears. It's It's Judgment is a very violent thing, especially when you feel unheard or unseen. Um, but he said that if you feel like as if you don't belong to anything, it's because you came in to create something new that's never existed before. <laughs> so, that. remember that. That might be how we open this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I just... I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm on another level right now. Honestly, oh, thank you so for, cool. for this. It's and this medium, right? The pod, I hear you mention all the time, but how cool that we get to have this kind of conversation and yeah. share it with people. Yes. It's so awesome. It's been absolutely a pleasure to spend time talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and before we get off, I, I do just want to, I want to give you an affirmation, something that I've been wanting to tell you. I, I think I've been telling you in some other wavelength that I don't know if you ever picked up in on it. In another realm. In another realm. We've been communing in another realm. But like I've, since I've, I've first heard you share your, your personal journey and this entire time uh, I've, been, I've been following you and watching your journey, 
Um, the biggest thing that I admire about you is the fact that you are willing to not only kind of stick your, your head out there and, and, and sort of maybe go against the grain and really say what you're feeling, but then to stick by that no matter what. Yeah. And I, I think that is the most beautiful, strongest thing I, I see about you. And one of the topics, maybe in a future podcast we do together, we could talk about, but like you, you call it the dismantling, but like that is just a great example as well. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about that, but just for 10 years, you guys went through this turmoil and just you were the, the strength. You were the rock. You were the one that knew it was going to work out. You felt it in your gut. And no matter what anybody told you, uh, you, you, you've always stood by your belief and your intuition and what you feel. And as someone who is a fellow empath and feels a lot and, and I need that mm-hmm. and I latch on to you for that. And I, I appreciate you for bringing that into, into the world. So thank you for that. Just thank Absolutely. you. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, where can people find you? Okay. So, um, people can find me on Instagram at Srimati, S R I M A T I. And also on my website, Srimati.com. I just again want to make another plug for my book. Um, the Plant Power Way Italia hits stores on April 24th. I'm actually going to make this announcement with you. When does this go up, by the this way? This will be up on Monday. Oh, okay. Can I say it? I can't say uh, it. I there's can do a, it. I can wait. No, no, no. Do it on Monday. There's okay. a, there's a, a there's going to be a cool pre-order giveaway. So just follow me at Srimati. That's connected to the Italian to the Ita- Italia book. Um, but anyway, pick up a book. Um, get a copy for a friend, share it, share the love. Um, I hope you feel blessed by being invited into this retreat experience. It's truly a magical place. I've been connected to this land in Italy for many years. Mm. And um, the food is delicious. And if you're going plant-based or if you're the kind of chef or the light in a a community and you're trying to um, sort of shift the tides... There's just crazy delicious recipes in this book. And it's everything Italian, completely delicious. So that is available everywhere on April 24th. Um, and uh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. And everything will be linked up in the show notes so you guys can head over to jeskydros.com and everything Srimati will be there, even the past books as well. Yeah, and we're looking forward to the memoir. I hope that comes soon. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I also have a yoga video that I just released. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, uh, last month. And it's a practice that I've cultivated over 20 years. And, and really, yoga is the difference between being, for me, alive or dead. Wow. <laughs> and it activates this life force in the body. And yogic practices are really the shelter for us during this, d- during, I mean, they're a gift to the planet that we have it. So if you're interested in beginning, it's a suitable for all levels. Um, check it out, and uh, he'll put the link. So it's on yeah. Vimeo. It's on Vimeo? Yeah, it's Jai Yoga, but I'll give you the... Jai Yoga, it's Vimeo. And then um, do you, you just, you, you just like a... Like, you st- you, I think you stream it. You can only okay. stream it. Okay. Because if you download it, then it could be passed around, I think. So I think you just stream it. Stream it. Yeah, it's um, $19, I think. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm going to start that because I, I, next month I'm starting my yoga journey. Myself. Oh, dude, it's such a great practice. Yeah. And actually my Vena master teacher who's upstairs, who I'm going to run from you and go oh my gosh, to my sitar yeah. lesson, um, he did an original track for me that takes you so deep. Oh my it's gosh. It's really cool. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So everyone, we're going to check that out. It'll yeah. be linked up. His name's Shuman Laha. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. Of course, of course. We'll Let's talk to you guys next again. week. We will. Bye, guys. Bye.
This is your brand new 